In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> beloved Orthodox Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, <clears throat> we have come to the third Sunday of the Holy Triodion, the third Sunday that prepares us to the entrance of that blessed period of the Holy and Great Fast, the spiritual contest. And the Church has been preparing us for the to enter this contest lawfully, to contest lawfully in the Holy and Great Land by the three consecutive Sundays already. So we heard on the first Sunday of the Triodion the parable of our Savior concerning the publican and the Pharisee, <coughs> two kinds of people, the one who was thought to be righteous and turned out to be self-righteous, the Pharisee and one who was considered a sinner and turned out to be truly a righteous man who was a publican. Then last Sunday we heard also concerning two kinds of people, the parable of the prodigal son, the one who had sinned and repented, the younger son of the father, and also concerning the man who was the oldest son, who thought he had never sinned, but had turned out to be somebody who was entirely estranged from the mindset and the heart of his compassionate father. And today we also hear concerning two kinds of people in the great church judgment day of our Savior when all shall be gathered in front of the throne of our Savior, and he will separate the lamb from the goats. That is, he will separate those who truly love God from those who love God in pretense only. Those who have the love of God written in their hearts, and those who have in their hearts written only the love for their own self-righteous selves. And what do we hear? What is it that will separate? What will be that sign that will show those who are lambs and from those who are goats? What is that key that will open the books of the hearts to see if love of God is truly written in it? That will be one answer, one thing, one dividing line, one sign. The love of the neighbor. That is what our Savior is telling us. That in love of our neighbor, giving a helping hand to a man next to us, consists the love of God. And that is what he tells us not only in this parable, in this, uh, his uh, explanation of the judgment day, but many other parts of the gospel. What is the sign that he gave to his disciples that they are truly his disciples? What did they say? By this they shall know that you are my disciples. By what? By much fasting? By much prayers? By much metania? By much... What is it that is that sign? All those things are necessary. Fasting, prayer, those are tools that we, with which we struggle to cleanse our hearts. But what is that one sign by which everybody will know if we are truly his disciples or not? If we love one another. He gave us no other sign. He didn't say any other thing. There are many virtues. But if that one thing is lacking, that we are compassionate just as our Heavenly Father is compassionate, all those beautiful virtues will rot away and stink because they didn't have that one thing that makes everything beautiful, that we are compassionate one to another. As much says also St. John the Theologian so beautifully, in his epistle when he says that a man who claims that he loves God, not only claims but shows that by his fasting and prayers and so forth, a man who pretends to be a lover of God, a faithful man, but at the same time that same man does not love his neighbor, that man is a liar. 
No matter what he does, if he even does miracles, there is no love of God in him. Because how can he truly love God, which he has no, whom he has not seen with his bodily eyes, and he can have no love towards a man that is standing next to him as somebody of the same nature? Therefore, that man is a liar. Those are powerful words. And what many other instances from the lives of saints, we know how men are called great because they are compassionate, despite, apart from all their virtues. The example of St. Macarius the Great always comes to mind. A man who was great among the ascetics. A man who was a wonder worker. Who was the pinnacle of the desert dwellers. The one who started the monastic habitation of Skeet that became the heart and soul of monasticism throughout the ages. In Egypt and everywhere else. He was called the deified one. In his own lifetime. A god upon earth. And why? His life explains why was he called? Because he was fasting much, and he was. Because he had so much repentance, and he had. Because he, he was doing so many miracles, and he was doing. For none of those things he was called the deified one. Except for one that he had measureless compassion for men. For that he was called that he is God upon earth, because just as God has, it says in his life, that just as God has compassion upon all his creation, so also Macarius, the blessed, had compassion on every man. He would cover a man's sin rather than judge him. He would have compassion on men who had fallen rather than condemn him. For that, for his measureless, boundless love for his fellow human beings, he was called the defined one. He was the one who was God upon earth. And our Savior, in order to imprint unto us this mystery that when we, that love of God is contained in the love of our neighbor, look how beautifully he explains that in this, uh, the gospel reading, that those six things of feeding the hungry, of giving water to those who are thirsty, of receiving those who are strangers and giving clothes to those who have none, and giving, uh, visiting the poor and the sick, every time that we have done it to every single human being that was need of this, we have done to our Savior himself. And this is not a metaphor. This is not some kind of a poetical saying far from us that our Savior should just give metaphors. This is a reality. Because St. Maximus the Confessor explains that the commandments of God are not legalistic regulations. They are mystical. That then we do commandments of God. We get hold of Christ himself. Because, he says, Christ dwells mystically in his own commandments. He reigns in his commandments. So that when we fulfill the commandments, we get hold of the hem of Christ. We are united with him. And how beautifully this is explained in this very, the greatest of the commandments of loving God and proving it by loving our neighbor, that Christ truly dwells in that person whom we help. He is that person. And lives of saints always come to aid. In the life of St. Martin, the great the bishop of Tours, who was the luminary of the Western lands, there is this beautiful account of his 
behavior, even when he was a soldier, he hadn't been elected to be bishop or anything. He was a soldier in the Roman army. This is happening in the 4th century. And the place where his army uh, was encamped one day well, during one winter was a bitter day, a cold day or, or, or night. And he was returning to, the, to the, camp, the, the military camp, the army camp. And he saw a man who had barely anything to cover himself. And he was shivering outside the entrance to the Roman military camp. And he had compassion on him. And, and he was wearing this long military uh, cape, Roman military cape. He took up his sword and cut it in half and gave one to the other and left one for the other half for himself during that winter. And he, had, he was not ashamed that he had so cut the cape that the, he was now ridiculed by others that he had given to a, some pauper outside the camp, the, his half of his military cape. He was not at all disturbed by that, but that one thing that moved him, that the man had not to cover, he divided in half what he had to cover himself. And what did he see that night? That night he had a dream where he saw a savior, and he was wearing that another half that he had given to the pauper. He was a savior. He was wearing that half that he had given to that man. Not only many other occasions in the lives of saints we hear. One is a most beautiful one concerning a stingy baker who would not give his bread to anyone. He was so stingy he wouldn't, he would make money, but he wouldn't give out as a charity. And there was one beggar who would importune him constantly, would be outside his bakery. And one day he was so much disturbed and importuned by this baker that out of anger he threw a loaf of bread at him. And that, and that uh, pauper, that beggar, thanked him for it and went and ate it. That night he saw a savior holding that loaf of bread and thanking him for it. So much was the, 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 the power of this vision that the man contracted himself and started to be charitable, seeing that even given out, not out of charity, but still given out, a savior accepts even that. And uses that, even that charity that is forcefully given out from our hands to our benefit. He counts it to our credit. He puts it in our list of good things. That's how much he wants to save us and that's how much he imprints on us. That commandment, which is a saving commandment, that we love our neighbor as ourselves. Therefore, beloved Christians... That is why the church is preparing us with these beautiful readings from the Gospels, so that we know how to fast. And this particular Sunday tells us that even if we fast from all foods throughout land, and yet we devour our neighbor with our thoughts and our actions and our words and become manslayers by what comes out from our mouth, and when we see somebody who is in need, we pass by as if we haven't seen him, and if we, when somebody asks us for help, we ignore and stop our ears as if we haven't heard it, to no avail is our fast. We'll be slayers of the body and slayers of the spirit at the same time. Because that fasting is fasting of demons. Demons don't eat at all. To what avail is that to them? Because they have no love. That is why let us fast correctly. Let us, if we put effort in abstaining from foods, which is good and laudable, and that is the outward fasting, the outward, the physical part of fasting, let us put ten times more into the spiritual aspect, the inner mystical aspect of fasting, of fasting from offending our neighbor, 
fasting from being merciless, fasting from being uncharitable. But rather let us use especially times of Lent, time of fasting, as the time for charity, as the time for showing who is it that is finding, who is it that is need, that is need around us to reconcile ourselves with him, to show help and mercy towards all that have asked, and to abstain from being merciless in thoughts and in word. That is true fasting. That is this truly, that way we will be truly fulfilling the commandment of fasting. We'll be fasting outwardly, abstaining from meats and, and dairy and so or other things that make uh, uh, palate uh, to, to uh, sweet, but more so will be making us heart and soul and our mind glad by true spiritual fasting, by abstaining from being uncharitable towards others, but rather remembering that on that commandment of us loving our neighbor depends whether we truly love God, whether the love of God truly is inscribed in our hearts. May this be the our Lord, beloved Christians, that our Savior should choose us to be on the right hand of his, of his glory, that we should be among the lambs, his chosen flock, and let us use what he tells us, that needs to be done from us to accomplish this, that we should be truly merciful and charitable to all around us. Of this may our Saviour deem us worthy. Amen.